back to the Intelligent Investment Show. I think I'm going to shorten this to Intelligent Investment Show. Intelligent Investment Market Update is just a lot of words for us in the South to try to fit in in a short period of time. So we're going to we're going to keep it down to Intelligent Investment Show, I think, moving forward. But uh, Matt, thanks for your time again, dude. It's been a choppy couple of uh, couple of weeks since we chatted last. A little bit of little bit of movement on this roller coaster this time. Yeah, it's definitely moved around quite a bit. We've had some. Uh some uh, data come out that that has has led the markets to sort of had a little bit of indigestion. Indigestion, I like that. So what's going on? What what data is it? I mean, you know me, man. I'm looking at the, I glance at CNBC a few times a week and then I kind of wait until we talk. What's been causing, I know I've seen a 2% move one direction one day and the next day I see a 2% move the other direction. I think we were down first and then we had a little snapback day. Uh, I think it was earlier this week, maybe. So is this all data driven? Is this, uh, I'm assuming that I just missed the headline data that came out on those days. Well, yeah, so we, we finished we finished last, uh, looking at the market here right now, S&P's at 50, 24, 50, 25. We finished last Friday, exactly here, I think 50, 26, maybe 50, 30. It's, it's kind of in this very, very, very tight range. Um, uh, Monday was, it, it actually, Monday of this week, it floated all the way up to, I believe, 5047 on that day in anticipation of the following day's CPI report that everyone thought was going to come out sweet and rosy and wonderful. That's what we all, that's what everyone thought. And people were trying to trade ahead. However, toward the end of the day, it started to bleed off. And actually, it actually closed that day a little bit lower, like uh, 5021. And CPI came out. CPI came out Tuesday with a consensus of 0.3, right? Which was actually pretty high. And I thought it was high. Um, the market was braced for a hotter than average number this this time, but it came in at 0.4. Of course, 0.4 annualized out is you know 4.85%. Obviously, the, immediately the yield spiked 15 basis points, you know, went to 420, 425. Small cap sold off 4% that day. The IWM sold off 4% because they're very sensitive to interest rates. The NASDAQ just cratered. Uh, S&P, I think, finished that day at 49.39. It, it, it lost, you know, 80-something points. It was a really rough day. And then the next, but then if you look at how, how the market traded, uh, it, it didn't really break any significant technical levels, right? And the market, the market, I think, is a lot smarter than people give it credit for. Market always looks, you know, six, nine months, 12 months down, down the road. And we also remember the, the, the Federal Reserve and what they were telling us the whole time inflation was going up and or inflation was high. And I'm sorry, inflation was high and, and, and coming down, right? There were, when we got a few good low hold inflation prints at the very, very beginning, like end of 2022, right? Well, what did they say? They said, one, it's one data point. One data point can only give us one data point's worth of data. That's what they said. It does not create a trend. We have, we, it, it does, one, one month of data does not give us enough information to, 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 to move on. So, the next day, I think the market realized this is the exact same thing, but the opposite version of it. It's one hot data point. Okay. And we know through 
a uh, you know, through a disinflation process, it's not a straight line. It's not going to, it's, it's going to have fits and starts. It's going to come down. It's going to pop. It's going to come down. And that's what's going to happen. And I think, I think we can attribute uh, CPI um, and PPI today uh, based, these, these are January numbers. I think a lot of companies across the board, because uh, we're, you know, we're 72% service economy, right? A lot of uh, business owners, small, medium, and large business owners, we're looking at their margins. Prices have gone up. Prices have gone up. Prices have gone up. I haven't raised my prices enough to, to I'm, I'm getting shrinking margin right now, right? So I think first to next year, we're going to raise our prices. This is just my opinion. I haven't read anything specific on this yet, but I think there was a lot of just auto price increases that took place on January 1. See what I'm saying? And that led to higher consumer prices. And that led to the higher PPI too, which, you know, I think, I think that that had a lot to do with it. Now that will either be confirmed or not in March. You talk about the data, the data points, and you say that there's a, that's one data point. Okay. And there's, but that's one of multiple, even at a very, very simple elementary level, I can look at this and say, okay, even CPI versus PPI, and we touched on this in the last show, right? CPI is consumer price index. That's what we're paying for stuff. PPI is producer's price index. That's what it's costing to produce the goods that we're purchasing. You talked about in the last show, when the cost goes up for the producer, they are not, they're pretty quick to increase prices for the consumer, but they're not as quick to reduce those costs to the consumer once their prices fluctuate down. And that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's much easier to, slash prices and to increase them back up. But at this point, talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about depending on where we are in a cycle, is is one of those numbers always going to be a little bit more important than the other? Or are we going to be looking a little bit more at CPI, maybe it's at one part of the cycle and maybe PPI at another? Or and there's even a, you know, to some extent where there's an art and a science to all this, right? Like there is the science and the data and all that, but there are there's an art as well and that Sometimes you need a little bit more of this, and sometimes you need the opposite to get what, what you're looking for. So is there a cyclical nature to that in that we might look more at one versus another at some point? And if so, which of those is more important right now? And how does that tie into all the other? Because I know that's not the only, it's not like you're making all your trades based off of CPI, right? You're looking at, I don't even know how many data points that you're looking at, but talk about the relationship between those and how you know which one you want to look more at and which one carries more weight one day versus the next. Well, that gets into causation and correlation, right? PPI and CPI do correlate very closely. And there is a causation that happens from, from PPI to CPI. And it, it flows in that direction. PPI leads CPI by about three months. However, PPI is typically more volatile than CPI. So it's the wholesale price index, what the distributors are, are purchasing for and then selling to the consumers, right? So uh, PPI topped out at over 11%, whereas CPI only topped out at 9%. However, PPI, the producer price index, the wholesale price index, cooled rapidly, far quicker. And it's, it's, it's still... It's fine. It's 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 not warm at all. It's it's it, like two two percent or something. I would I would have to go look at it again. But it's 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 nowhere anywhere near hot at all. We had a hot print this month. That was it. Okay. So CPI does follow PPI, and there is correlation there. But they're not 
they're they're hmm, they're siblings they're not twins if that right. makes sense. okay yeah so so we ha you have to be able to dif differentiate and then you have to look back to your the initial question of one data point was that data point an anomaly based on a turning of the calendar right like we like we talked about just before um did a lot of companies say okay you know what we're, we're we're seeing margins tighten up because of our wholesale prices are are are, are hotter and, and and we can't seem to you know we need we need to raise our prices because we know these prices are going to be coming in hotter and frankly i would think that the wholesale the wholesale people thought the same thing they thought you know what we have it's it's more it's more expensive for us now to to because they buy direct from manufacturers right it costs mm -hmm. us more now to have this stuff manufactured and brought in and so they're they're now raising their prices to their distributors so and then of course that's going to be passed on now the margin is built in when the price goes when the price on on the wholesale index goes up 0.2 percent and the consumer price index goes up 0.3 percent that's how they build in that margin which is why you know that's why we see C CPI has not cooled off quite as rapidly as PPI. Although PPI did get hotter over time, I, the overall increase in prices on the consumer has been higher than on the wholesaler because it's it's held higher for longer. So that has obviously caused this this stickiness in in, in yields, right? In, in high yields. And I, I think I think it will break. You know that would be my best guess, based on you know the the direction of, of of where inflation is and what inside of inflation is actually causing the problem. So if you look at the if you look at uh, specific to the hot CPI print, um, uh, we had early in the week it had a lot to do with auto insurance, had a lot to do with healthcare services, okay, and it actually had a lot to do with other items which is financial items, which is the stock market. Stock market goes up. That also is part of the CPI calculation. People also tend to feel better and they tend to spend more money when they're, it's, we've, we've heard it before, it's called the wealth effect, right? Mm -hmm. People feel better. So that also caused a little bit of- Which is hilarious, by the way, because a 45-year-old has absolutely no more money to spend just because their 401k went up $25,000 last month or whatever it is, right? Like, yeah. it does matter for some. I'm not saying it doesn't. But the wealth effect you're talking about is kind of interesting because it's like, if I've got a half a million dollars in my 401k and now I've got 525000 in my 401k, that doesn't mean I can go buy a $25,000 car and pay cash for it and call it a day, right? <laughs> but we feel, we, we feel like we have more money in those situations. Oh, absolutely. People, you know, it's funny and it's, it's a, it's people when they feel bad, when the stock market goes down, just the, when it initially goes down, they tend to feel really bad, really fast. People get very bearish and they tighten things up pretty quick. Right. But it takes a long time for that to thaw out and, you know, for that, for that wealth effect to come back and it's back. It is back. It, I mean, all of 2022, even 2023, the market was up basically 25%. Yeah. Okay. And people didn't really start to feel good about it until the very, very end of the year and beginning of 2024. You know, so, and that's what, of course, leads to 
that that has that branches into all aspects, which is more spending, which could be obviously one of the one of the the drivers of inflation uh, for January. Um, also, it it leads to well, stock market's going up. I'm missing out, you know, and 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 they see these the stock you know, and they want to they want to jump into the stock market, which also makes people feel wealthy just being in the stock market. But you know, there's been the, this market for for all that's been thrown at it this year, which has been, you know, not a ton, I, I don't think. I mean, we've had a hot jobs report, a very hot jobs report. We got in, uh, you know, we talked about it last show, 336,000 for, for January. And December was revised up 117,000, which is a huge amount. Uh, obviously a hot CPI report and then a hot PPI report. And yields, you know, going up pretty uh Pretty good in a pretty good way, you know. The ten year is up you know, four point three today, and the market's hanging in there. The market's hanging; it's been resilient. You know, you got to give this market credit. This thing is, I don't know, it's wearing some cast iron underwear or whatever it's doing, but it's it's, it's hanging in there. <laughs> so you you were talking a little bit before the show about technical levels and how when you're looking at all these data points, they're all interconnected. I mean, you just mentioned PPI is going to lead CPI by about three months. Okay, well, right now. There's a lot of uh, people are looking really hard at inflation. Why? Because inflation is going to be what sort of leads what we do with interest rates. And that's going to be so all of these sort of lead and, and build on each other and tie together in some way. So PPI is going to lead um, CPI. CPI is going to give us what is going to be a, a, a barometer for inflation, which is then going to tell the Fed what they want to do with interest rates, which is then going to affect the stock market, which is going to then affect the wealth effect. Like, all of these things just kind of all tie together. Um, so when, when you're looking at like the technical levels in the market right now, there are points in time where, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to ebb and we're going to flow. We're going to bob. We're going to weave. That's fine. That's all part of it. Okay. But then there are points where we now have a new trend one way or the other. Right. And now we're not just, we're not just oscillating anymore. Now we're, we're, we've, we've shifted the direction we're heading. So with where we are right now in the chop that we've seen, I think it was before the show you were talking about, or it may have been on the recording, but when are we just sort of in that range right now where everything's kind of these fluctuations, the chop that we're seeing, it's all just kind of, that's just part of the ebbs and the flows. We even talked about on the last show, like if you're a long-term investor and the market gives you a big sell-off, that's an opportunity for you to take advantage of that. But then you also have to be mindful of the fact that, hey, if you buy every time the market goes down 3%, then you're going to lose a lot of money if it goes down 35%. Right? If that if that trend's changing directions, you need to be mindful of that so that you're not buying every time it goes down two bucks. So where do you see the market right now and how all these things are? Are, are we sort of at a, are we nearing any technical levels that we need to be mindful of or concerned about if we break through this, this is a, this is a shift or if, or as long as we stay in this uh, within these boundaries, it's sort of business as usual and all of our, I don't want to say, uh, you know, our, our base case hypothesis is still intact as long as these metrics don't change. Okay. So do you remember a few shows ago, we talked about the good girlfriend, the bad girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. As far as yields <laughs> and the equity markets? Yeah. That was one of my that, favorite analogies I think we've had on the show, actually. <laughs> that's where we're at now. So we talked about how the 10-year treasury round-tripped itself Q3, Q4. We started uh, 
Q3 at 350, uh, I'm sorry, 386 on the 10 year, we finished uh, Q3 at 457, right? We began Q4 at 457 and finished at 388. So it round tripped itself. And then we also discussed, I think yields are generally circling the drain on a longer term trend here, right? We might get to 4.2, I think we said we're at 415, we might get to 4.2, four and a quarter, but I don't see them going much higher than that. So we're kind of in that range, we're at 428 right now, okay? It's very, it's certainly at the upper end of that range, don't get me wrong. Um, <clears throat> nonetheless, what, I don't- What is that range that you're talking about right now? I mean, specifically at this point in time, four, do you think that's kind of your, your 386, 4.3 was as high as I thought it would get based on economic, on economic growth and where I thought inflation was going to go to. Okay. And we got one, like I said, a few hot inflationary prints, which has kind of led it to the upper end of that range. So back to the good girlfriend, bad girlfriend. Okay. The market has been resilient up into going from now. We know we started the year 388. Now we're at 430. Okay. How much more punches in the face is is the market going to take the equity side going to take from the yield side from the from the bond side before it says hey you're now a bad girlfriend right i think that number is exactly where we're at now 4.3 it's actually 434 there was a level that it hit where it had a real tough time going through when it was on the way down that level was about 435 434 right through there so we probably have, and I mean four or five basis points left of, of okay, I'm going to shine this on, but you were supposed to be home at 10 o'clock with your girlfriends and it's two in the morning and you smell like liquor and cigars. And I know you don't smoke cigars. So that's where the <laughs> equity markets are right now with the yields. Like, okay, you go up another four or five basis points, you know, the wheels are coming off this thing. Wheels yeah. come off this thing. And it's absolutely, it's going, it's going to become a technically driven market, just like we're you're discussing, both on yields and equities. Okay. And the bond market is going to be in full control at that point in time. There's nothing anyone can do about it. Whatever the bonds do, the equities are going to do the opposite. If yields fall, equity markets will go up. If and if yields go up, the markets will fall exactly. And I think that's going to start right about 434, 435 on the on the on the on the tenure. Okay. So where the equities will go, I think it will it will retrace back to, you know, we'll probably see because we had a, a, a heck of a time getting through 5,000. It will probably blow right through 5,000. It'll probably go right to sort of that old high area where we had a real tough time popping through, which is 4,800. Call it right about 4,800. Okay. It's actually 4,816. But 4,800, the closing high for many, many years, for a long time was 4,796. So I think it will settle there. And I think we could get a little past there if, if things don't cooperate. Um, back to a, my guess is we would probably see a 55 to 6% correction from the high of 50-30, right? Which would bring us back to about 47.50. We started this year 47.70. So, you know, having a 5 Five and a half, six percent correction isn't out of the cars, isn't all that big of a deal either, right? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. This market, the reason I think it's it's it hasn't caved in 
in the light of you know going up what is it now uh 40 basis points in six weeks seven weeks right it's because earnings have been great we have 80 percent of companies exceeding earnings by an average of seven percent okay and applied materials came out yesterday and just blew the cover off the ball just destroyed it that's one of our positions in our prosperity portfolio it's done it's doing really well okay so you know again it's a chip Chips are doing it. NVIDIA, Applied Materials, AMD. They're all just crushing it. They're all just crushing it. And, and there's just this, there's just this bid, there's this bid energy in the market now. Uh, people, you know, sentiment is better. The narrative is built on that AI. Right. That's what the this whole market, this whole, this whole bull thesis now is usually there's a core narrative. Of course, it's it's built around earnings, but it's built around an earnings future earnings narrative that future earnings narrative is the chip sector in ai yeah you talked a little bit about the resilience of the market and then the first uh little bit of the year we've we've faced uh some challenging data i mean in a year's time we're through about halfway we're about halfway through the first quarter so not a big uh you know it's, it's, it's still early but we've you mentioned that we faced some tough data or some challenging data maybe for the market to hold up what type of data are we referring about there? I mean, at this point in the cycle, I mean, th there comes a point in time where I, I have been through markets, and I know you have as well, that good news is actually bad news, and bad news is actually good news. And then there's other parts where the market is a bit like Goldilocks, right? We want it, we don't want it too hot, too cold in anything. Like, we don't want earnings to go too, we don't, we do want earnings growth, but Earnings growth going too fast is going to cause the Fed to do things to tighten monetary policy, which is going to slow it down. So you can, it, we have some almost self-containing rules and in, in both directions, right? Um, this happened a lot during COVID. I remember bad news being good news during COVID. It's like the worst things got, the more we knew mom and dad and the government were going to come help us out, right? So we didn't want good news during COVID. We wanted, bad news. We wanted the bad news to come out. So what, what news is good news right now? Like, what are we looking for in the market? And what have we gotten that wasn't that? Well, I think I think good news right now is still good news, right? And right. good news is, is good and good strong earnings. Okay. Good strong earnings and and more but more importantly is guidance. Okay. Our company's guiding strong, right? So I, I think um Roku came out yesterday and they, they didn't have a great earnings report. Uh, it wasn't all that bad. It, I think they actually beat revenue on the top line. Um, however, they gave really kind of poor guidance on it. You know, they gave kind of poor forward guidance. And that used, I think they're down 20% today. So what we're seeing is if you you can miss a little bit here and there, but if you're giving bad guidance, saying, hey, we see problems coming down the road. And you know, we know these problems are going to are going to persist for at least two quarters. The market just absolutely just is going to take you out. It's just going to take you out like it did a Roku day. On the other side, though, back to everyone's best friend right now, Nvidia. Right, back to you know when we bought them at fifty five times earnings three days before three days before their earnings uh, came out uh, several quarters ago. We, I thought I was going to buy them at half price in three days. We've had this discussion, right? Their guidance is so strong that 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 multiple of fifty five is going to drop to twenty eight based on future guidance, and that's exactly what happened. Okay, so 
companies are really being uh, penalized for poor guidance, but they're being rewarded for, for strong guidance. And, and frankly, they're actually being penalized for not very strong guidance. If I'm being honest, you know, if it's just good, well, you know what? Sid Cottle, always never forget Sid Cottle. Relative selection. Okay. Why do I want to keep, why do I want to keep my money in and maybe an Apple, which has a growth rate of, you know, 11%, uh, which trades at a 30 multiple. When I put my money in NVIDIA, which trades at a 30 multiple, has a growth rate of 38%, right? Yeah. And it's got a great war chest too. So these are the kinds of sort, these are the puzzle pieces that, that we're always putting together with a picture that is always changing. That yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, because you can, depending on where you are in that cycle, and this is the thing that so many investors don't intuitively think about, right? Like at that, the, the scenario you just described, company A versus company B, both at the exact same price to earnings multiple, but one is growing at 30% and one's growing at 5%. Okay, well, in a vacuum, it naturally, I, I understand that I'm going to want to put more money into the big, the big grower. However, still relative selection to the extent that, or what I mean by that is, there are going to be some times that because stocks are so in favor, that means NVIDIA in this case, maybe up 50% this year, and company X is going to be up 20%. Okay, they're just going to underperform. There's going to be other times that that means NVIDIA is going to be down 10% and company X is going to go down 60%, right? Because of the degree. So that relative, sometimes it's a, yes, it is a, a discipline of relative selection. No, sure. What it is, 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 is that that's part of the, of the confidence you have to have in the positions that you take and back to trust your data, trust your data, trust your data, trust your data, right? So you can trust your data if you have confidence. For instance, if, if I have confidence that NVIDIA's earnings on Tuesday next week, they're going to, they're going to do great. They're going to provide strong guidance. Okay. We own them. To, it's our biggest single position in our portfolio. We've owned it since about, I don't know, the, the, the low 400s. Okay. Um, we thought it was, it, it had a potential to, to exceed $1,000 this year in share price. I think I, I thought it would get to about 1100 this year. Loop Capital just came out, but it stuck a $1,200 target just today. Okay. So, you know, if I look at, if I go into my fact set and I see what the different analysts are saying about NVIDIA or Microsoft or Google or Amazon or whatever they're saying, and I look at the dispersion across the board, you know, how much confidence do I have if in, in a company like, uh, I don't know, Win Resorts, right? Where they where one company says, it's going to go to 250. Another big, good house might say, no, it's worth $75. Well, okay. I, I how, how can I use that? That's not usable. Yeah. Okay. Right. Versus like an NVIDIA or an Apple or a Microsoft or something like that, or, or Caterpillar or whatever. And you say, okay, well, you know, yeah, I mean, Oppenheimer's at 850. Uh, Morgan Stanley's at 875 for NVIDIA. Um, you know, Susquehanna is at, you know, 865. Okay, we're, we're in a pretty narrow range there. That's, yeah. that's you know, it's going to find its, it's likely going to find its way there. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's when you start looking at the data and then you start looking at the dispersion of the data, okay? How wide of a delta really is it? 
And you'll find that the better companies who have performed very well to their guidance for a long time have a, have a tighter window, right? And that's one of the sort of the aspects and the criteria that I look at before we just take it as, oh, you know, I think, I, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, Cigna can go to 500. Well, maybe there's a, a target on it at 500 from uh, Bank of America. Okay, well, maybe JP Morgan has a $180 target on it. Okay, that's going to be hard to use. So again, relative selection and part of the selection process is how confident can we be in the data that's provided? So how confident can the analysts be in the targets that they put on these companies? So, and I trust that I trust these analysts. They're they're very, very good for the most part, right? So if they're coming out with these, these the, 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 this, this sort of this wide dispersions of, of price targets, that means the confidence in the data from the company and the guidance, the confidence in the guidance just isn't there. Right. So that's, that's one of the sort of one of the aspects we look at. Yeah. What, what do you have your eyes on for the next, uh, for next week? What are you watching for? Well, we've got uh, NVIDIA, honestly, NVIDIA is, and I hate to keep going back to NVIDIA, but NVIDIA is in my opinion right now, probably for the next few months is it's just as important to the market as the 10 year treasury note. Oh, wow. Okay. This market, well, this market is a AI driven market. NVIDIA is the, not the 800 pound gorilla, is the 10,000 pound gorilla throwing everyone else around with AI, okay? They are the market barometer right now. So this market, these bull markets are, are built on a thesis. And right now that the, the a narrative and the, the, you know, earnings are strong, great. That's a big part of it. The yields haven't gone completely berserk yet, but time will tell. And those earnings are driven a lot by the technology sector, which is there, which is, you know, 29% of the S&P 500 now. And that sector is being, it's, it's narratives built on AI right now. So we have to give credit where credit's due. It won't always be this way. It will, some, there will be another, there will be another superstar down the road. But right now, I think, you know, NVIDIA is just a company you have to keep your eye on because it has a lot, whatever happens with NVIDIA will have a, will have a big impact on the technology sector, the chip sector as a whole. And because again, the technology sector is nearly 30% of the S&P 500 now, if that sector starts to roll over because of poor guidance from NVIDIA, yeah, you know, poor guidance and uh, earnings aren't where they think it should be, well, then that can sort of cause a cascade effect about a lot of the other companies that have built uh, good guidance around their AI, Microsoft, Google, even Amazon, Meta, whomever. And that could cause a cast that could cascade down. And, you know, that could happen. I think in any event, the market could just simply go through a profit. If, if, if it comes out good, I don't know that NVIDIA is going to go shooting up. I think a lot of good news is priced in right now, right here. Okay. In fact, it, it could go, you know, they say, you know, the market tops and the market goes down on good news. And if we see, you know, if, if NVIDIA does print really strong earnings and does pro, uh, provide really strong guidance, and then it kind of just doesn't do anything, it kind of pulls back a little bit, that could be a good indicator of some of the beginning of a five to 6% pullback 
Okay. And it's nothing more than profit taking. It's not, it's not testament to earnings are rolling over, yields are going out of control, inflation isn't whipped, AI is dead, none of that. It's just probably some short, short term four to six week profit taking would be my guess. And frankly, I would welcome it. Yeah. Well, and as always, before I let you go, nothing that we say on the show is intended to be advice uh, because we don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know anything about listeners' uh, financial situations, but um, hear what you're saying. And we, I've usually heard that term called price for perfection. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're at a bad spot in the market right now. It just means that, you know, we might... It, the good news is priced in. I don't know. That's your football player that signed a $40 million contract. doesn't mean they're not worth it. It just means you paid top dollar for them, right? I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's, you'd rather find it. If you're a bargain shopper, that could be a bad sign. But, you know. The, well, you know, sometimes. Relative selection, though, right, baby? Well, <laughs> yeah, sometimes bargain, selection. bargain shoppers, they wait, they wait around too long. And then, you know, like, there was a lot of people that are like, I'm selling a video at 400. I'm selling a video at 400. It's too expensive. No. You know, no. And look what happened. Or, or I'm not. I'm not going to buy Nvidia until it gets back down to 300. Well, it never did, and it's not, it probably won't. So you you missed out on. So you. That's why, in our, in my opinion, and how we sort of build here is we look at. You know, we always look at one, two, three years out. You yeah. know, uh, I mean, if we're talking about S and P 500 earnings end of this year, two. You know, I think consensus is around. You know, 245 to 250. So call it 247.50. Yeah, two forty-seven fifty into twenty twenty-five. Um, you hang a twenty-one-six trailing twelve-month multiple, which is the average trailing multiple, not a forward multiple, but a trailing multiple. That's fifty-three forty-six, fifty-three fifty. That's where we're at. That's how we get. That's how we got there. Now, into twenty twenty, uh, into twenty twenty-five. I think the market's sitting uh, uh, consensus estimates on S and P is you know, near two seventy-four, two seventy-five. So. You know, are we paying top dollar for the market right now? Yes, we are today. We will today, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to ride the ride. And if you do get a pullback, you do get a five five six percent dip, barring any obvious you know untoward exogenous event that anything can happen. Right? I think that that's a probably a, a good enough place as any to to dip your toe in, and 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 but you got to be there for a while. The, the earnings the earnings will get there. Strong economy, good demand. All right, bro. Well, thank you uh, for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. See you in a couple of weeks, bud. Right. Mm -hmm.